Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, it's Richard and Linda here again, Ayers on the Road. And we, (laughs) I'll tell you what, Linda, we're giving new meaning to the title Ayers on the Road today (laughs) because we're going to be talking about one summer long ago when we were on the road for an entire summer and when we visited every single town in the state of Utah. It was absolutely an experience. It was, it seems like a long time ago now. It was a long time ago. I think it was about, when was it? It was in 1990. It was 30 years ago. And what you might say, well, why would you want to talk about something that old? Because we want to think a little today about you live and there's quite a story here and i think i think you listeners are going to find this really really interesting we were um contemplating at that time pretty seriously uh running for governor and we thought the only way to decide for sure if that was the step we wanted to take in utah was to spend some time and really get to know the entire state it was an interesting time, Linda, because just as today, I mean, we were just talking yesterday, there's about a dozen candidates running for governor in Utah now, and it's because there's an open seat. Governor Herbert is retiring, and when there's an open seat, there's a lot of candidates, and that's how it was back in the old days, 1992. It was amazing. Governor Bangeter was retiring. There was an open seat. And candidates were coming out of the woodwork, and we were trying to decide if we wanted to be one of them. And we thought, what better way than to spend a whole summer visiting? We we made a foolish pledge. Remember, we said, we're going to visit every single town and city in Utah, not knowing that there were over 350 towns. (laughs) (laughs) We actually did... um a radio show every week we called into um, KSL with Doug Wright and we called in to wherever we were Richard was running to houses out in the wilderness so to speak said do you have a phone I've got to call <laughs> Doug Wright and uh, we had we had a great time we didn't it was have a funny. cell phone well, that, that was the very if you had a cell phone then it was it was huge it was like a big it looked like a briefcase <laughs> right and so we'd borrow phones and so on, and we'd call in. And, and the, remember the name of the show, Linda? I, oh, um, Iris on the Road. No, no, no. The Blue Roads of Utah. Oh, Blue Roads of Utah, of course. Iris <laughs> on the Road would have been a good one, too. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. But we called it the Blue Roads of Utah because in those days, people used maps. That's another funny thing. No GPS around. And on the maps, the red roads, you some of you remember this, the red roads, the freeways were all, the big roads were always red. Yeah. And the little roads, the little byways, they were blue on the map. And so we, we our pledge was to stay off of the main roads and go on the little roads where we'd really meet the people and really see the little towns. And we were in a motorhome. <laughs> yeah, we rented a motorhome pretty much for the summer. And we took our kids and we took the dog. <laughs> now, that is a story in and of itself. We took the dog, and what happened? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, we were going along. You know, we, 
week after week, and I, I started saying to the kids, you kids have got to quit feeding this dog. She's getting so fat. <laughs> Just one person feed the dog, and we had one person in charge. And then one day we went back. We got up in the morning, and we went back, and we opened the shower door, and there were nine puppies. <laughs> there was that dog nine with her puppies her nine puppies. So we now had Linda and I in the motorhome, plus... We didn't have all the kids. A couple of them were on missions. Yeah, I think we had yeah, seven. Some of the of kids were older, yeah. And and so we had nine people and nine dogs for the rest of the trip. <laughs> and it was a little bit crazy. I was glad to get off the road when that trip was over. We did it in stretches, to be fair. Yeah, we, we did we'd come back. We'd go out for a week, on. and then we'd come home for a couple of days. Then we'd go to another part of the state for a week. And we had a little system. We had a little chart of all the towns and we we are outlining how to get to all of them one at a time and it was awesome it was really incredible i had to stop and do i was um working with the young women at the time and we were doing a young men young women activity down the river i can't remember what river but it was a whitewater i remember seeing you going along on the road in the Motorhome, and we were down in the river. Oh my gosh, that's waving right! At you were down at on the Green so River. That was a few. Oh, of course, Moab. the Green River. Yeah. Wow. Um, it was really wild. And then we, I got done in a few days and came back to the uh, motorhome. Now maybe there's a bit of a backstory we should tell here. And again, you may say, "What does this have to do with your usual topic of families and parenting and so on?" We're going to get to that. But I want to give you a quick backstory. We had, this is a little embarrassing, but we had, um, ever since we first got married, way back, way back, we had had politics in our blood. I'd, I had started a political consulting company with two partners in Washington, D.C., and we had worked for George Romney and Nelson Rockefeller and Charles Percy and Edward Brooke, a lot of moderate Republican senators and governors and so on. And I kind of had it in my mind that I was going to run for Congress way back then. And we had the opportunity to leave Washington, D.C. and to come out and run the campaign, plan and manage the campaign of Jake Garn, his first campaign for the Senate. He was the mayor of Salt Lake City. Now, that was a really long time. That was. And we did that partly because that would set the stage for running for Congress. And so we were getting ready way back when to run for Congress. And then, and we were praying about it, I should add, and that prayer was answered in a strange way. (laughs) We got called to be mission presidents and go to London, and that put an end to our political plans. And off we went. And there's more to that story, but that's just to give you the background. And then we thought the political bug was gone. We didn't think we were bitten by it anymore, and we were doing our thing, and we were just involved in a lot of things we really appreciated. Didn't think we'd ever go back to politics. And then this empty governorship seat became became clear that that was what was going to happen. And we didn't know whether we should run for governor or not. And we took this trip and wrote this book, a book called Utah in the Year 2000. Now, honey, you're throwing around the word we pretty flippantly. Actually... <laughs> You wrote this book. You spent 100,000 hours on this. We just picked this up this morning. This is the funnest book we ever did because it's in the shape of Utah. I don't know how many of you out there may have known ever about seen this or it. seen this. 
but the top right corner is cut out. (laughs) That was a job. We had a little guy down at the publishers cutting out the right corner of the book, so it looked like Utah. (laughs) Well, I'm sure he didn't do by hand, but um, it was really, it's really a cool book. Well, and it was our attempt to to talk about why we loved Utah, but also to sort of set an agenda. We actually had the history of Utah there, the heritage, and and all. Uh, you know, we don't get into the book very much, but I want to read you one little thing from the preface that is why we're doing this on Ayers on the Road. It says this: We. Uh, it says many people say we know you as a writer and a speaker on family and on parenting and on balance and on lifestyle. Why are you writing a political book? I've heard the question a hundred times. The first few times my impulse was to answer like this. Actually, I've been involved in politics for 25 years. I was a political consultant before I even had a family of my own. I'd written a dozen campaign plans before I did any writing or speaking or media on families. But then I realized something. I wasn't going back to politics. I wasn't writing a political book in spite of my interest in families. I was writing a political book because of my concern for families. I was writing it because I believe the true purpose of politics and of the public institutions we call government is to protect and assist individual households, to ensure individuals and those they choose to love and to live with their families of certain basic protections and opportunities. Everyone has a family. For some, it consists of spouse and children. For others, parents or brothers and sisters. So when people say, is family and lifestyle balance the right base from which to think and write about politics, I say, yes, family is the basic institution of our society. So even then, Linda, in this effort to write a book on Utah, and ultimately it turned into a campaign for governor, um, our whole thought was about families. That's yeah. where we were coming from. And we we did get, you did get a lot of support for this. Um, the, the, what are they called, endorsements in the front are from people like Rhodes, uh, Lowell Benyon, Rhodes Boyson, who is a member of Parliament, Jay Willard Marriott, Stephen Covey, um, George Gallup, Hugh Downs, if any of you remember him, Orrin Hatch, George Romney, the older George, I mean Romney, and uh, Nolan Archibald, Jake Garn, Jack Gallivan, Elaine Cannon. Man, that was a lot of endorsements for this little baby. Well, they weren't endorsing my candidate for governor. Some of them did in, in the future, but they were endorsing this book because the book was an honest effort to try to say, what can we do to, to preserve the greatness of this state of Utah? How can we make it last? How can we enhance it? How can we keep the future bright as we go into it? And mainly, bottom line, how can we make it a great place for families to live? I really can't believe the number of hours that you spend on this. Just going through the history of Utah. The history is amazing of Utah, as most of you know, and we've just gone through the 150th anniversary of suffrage for women. Utah was the first state for women to be able to vote. And there's so much about that and also women. Um, Listen to this. The average food preparation time uh, for women in 1950 was four hours and 30 minutes a day. 
Wow, and that's how much time a woman spent in the kitchen. In the kitchen. And I, my grand, grand, great grandmother spent more than that all day building the wow. fire and the stove and then cooking things for the day and so on. But the average preparation time per day went down to 40 minutes in 1980 and 15 minutes in the year 2000 because we had microwaves and we had all kinds of things. I mean, that's just an example of some of the amazing things that I just read in this this morning. We totally forgot about this. We got so excited when we, when we opened it and started um, reading through. <laughs> well, and there's always a problem. There's always a pitfall and a danger when you're trying to predict the future. And the preface of the book uh, Utah in the year 2000 tries to predict, and again, remember this is written in 1990, so projecting 10 years ahead. Oh, these are funny. I tried in the preface to predict some of the things that would happen. I implied that there might be flying cars, hover cars, <laughs> <laughs> and I listed some of the things we wouldn't have anymore. Copper pennies, drinking water from faucets, too polluted in most areas. <laughs> Canned food, it's all frozen now. Um, so I was right on some things. Film, we now have video. Um, mail, it's all facts. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was a funny thing. We won't have cavity filling dentists anymore because we'll have pretty much eliminated cavities. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, I wish that was true. <laughs> I was right on some. No more file cabinets. It's all on disks. Well, <laughs> I was I was getting there. Disks is hilarious. <laughs> typewriters go to a museum to find one. <laughs> and that's true. The old typewriters oh, are Venice. in the museums. Yeah. Venice. I predicted Venice would have sunk into the ocean. <laughs> that's kind of happening now. It is. I was oh. just a little too early on these. Yeah, three months ago, Venice was full of water. But those things were just intended to try to get people into the book. And then what we were trying to do is suggest ways to build Utah and to make it a better place. So today on Ours on the Road is kind of a celebration of Utah. Now, you're not all listening from Utah. There's listeners all over the world, Ours on the Road. And forgive us for focusing a little on Utah. And if you don't live here and have never been here, maybe this will serve as a you know, travel advertisement. But <laughs> so I think can. all of you have some connection or at least curiosity about the state. So after the break, we're going to talk a little more about Utah and tie the lifestyle of families into what should be our goal as parents. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. Um, we're talking today about Utah in the year 2000, and we are already at 2020. <laughs> Isn't that funny, Linda? That's we, amazing. This, this is 30 years ago, thinking about 10 years into the future, and, and in those days, the year 2000 seemed like a dream. It's like, will that ever come? What will it be like? And so on. But that's, that's not important on the show today. What we're talking about on the show today is, are there some ways, wherever you live, wherever you happen to be, to love your place even more and to do even more with it? And so, again, I'll just give you a quick overview of what we were trying to say in, in this book, and let's apply it to today. 
We were talking about heritage. What an amazing heritage we have in this state and the history that we have here. We were talking about the goals that we should have for the future. We were talking about the various issues that were part of politics then and are still part of politics now. Education, the environment, tourism, rural Utah, rural people, and how to make sure that the, the rural parts of the state are you know, not left out. As I was going through that, I loved the parts about everywhere we stopped you sometimes when you were running in to find a phone somewhere to call in to KSL for the radio show, it was incredible. The little stories, the little vignettes you have all the way through here of these people and what they were doing and how they got there and hardworking people. And it, it was really cool. Well, what we came to love, I think, and, and it's carried over to this day, Linda, is that the idea that everyone has a story you know? Absolutely. You were saying that the other day in Hawaii on the beach. You were just watching people walk by and how if you just had time to spend with this person or that person and, and not and avoiding being critical. You, you know, know it was so funny. We, this is just a little diversion, but we were sitting there on this beach and there were a lot of people there. And I loved watching everybody, just watching everybody and thinking, you know, this is really interesting. I mean, there were some a lot of overweight people. There were a lot of people with little children. There were a lot of people with lots of tattoos. There were a lot of people <laughs> with, um, you know, eating and drinking different things and so on. And I just thought, wow, I just wish I could talk to everyone for a little bit and hear their story because every single person there had a story. Well, and that's what we found on this this little trip, the Blue Roads of Utah. We began, And it was calling in on this radio show that we called the Blue Roads like you mentioned, Linda, on KSL, every day we'd have to find someone who was quite interested, you know, who, who was quite interesting. And we'd engage them in a conversation. It wasn't hard. And we'd put them on the radio, and, and it wasn't hard. I mean, and we we learned that we, we learned to respect a lot of little town, small town life and how good the people were and how interesting they were. And we got a lot of treats. I mean, people would say, come on in for a piece of homemade bread, or well, you should try the cherries I picked this morning. Well, sometimes we were back in the motorhome, you know, the kids were all starving eating peanut butter sandwiches, and you were out there getting treats from people in their homes. <laughs> but I because... brought them back to you. <laughs> no, they didn't know how many there were in the, in the, in the motorhome. And they didn't know how many the... dogs there were in yeah. there, puppies. Exactly. That was crazy, but it was so fun. Anyway, back to the book just for a minute. We got into the uh, the future of transportation and infrastructure in Utah, the, the, the issues of drugs and health care, safety, crime, and justice, um, elections, politics, and leadership, growth, jobs, economic development, government efficiency, and taxation. They're the same issues that there are. Yeah, they are. Just the the very same ones. and. Anyway, you probably know, just to finish the story, and then we want to just talk about the importance of families appreciating and taking advantage of where they live. But just to finish the story, the book did entice us to to run for governor, and some of you oldsters remember the time. We we actually won the Republican convention, and, and uh, so... That was crazy. That, that was day, let's just take time. a moment to talk oh about that. Oh, gosh. We had a... 
baby elephant out there, didn't we? <laughs> at the convention. <laughs> at the convention. We had a baby elephant out there, and there, oh, well, that was a circus. <laughs> that was a circus. And Michael Levitt, a good friend, came in second in the convention, and we didn't beat Levitt by far enough. We, if we'd got enough votes there, there would have been no primary, and we would have been the nominee and the governor. But there was a primary, and Mike Levitt, with all due respect, beat us in the primary, and that was the end of our political run. And Linda was so happy. Actually, <laughs> actually, I was happy. Politics is so hard. It's just, there was, and I was sad, too, because so many people had helped so much, and the contributions to the campaign were fabulous. I mean, not only money, but time. People would put in so much time and so yeah, on. And our, but, own, our own kids had a blast. And our, our, our own kids, we had a building downtown where... Um, they each had they an each office. They each had a little office. <laughs> it was an old uh, building that nobody was using anymore, and it was so fun. We had a little uh, train or something. Well, they were supposed the to Oh, yeah, trolley. we had fun. The kids were supposed to be calling, canvassing voters and so on, and then we found out later a lot of them were prank calling. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them, but two of them. Well, we're getting off pretty far afield here. But, uh, but we, we really had so much fun with this. But And, and Utah is important, and I do think, honey, that all the candidates read this book because by the time we and we had to go to every single county to a, a meeting before we even started the um, general election, and every single time more of the other candidates were saying what you go, you were espousing. Well, you're you're nice to um, say, but I that do would think be that the that best was really way to... really helpful. Well, you're kind. I'm I'm thinking though that the real message here, whether you live in Utah you listeners, or you don't, and again, we hear from, it's so wonderful to do this Ayers on the Road show for BYU Radio and to, and to see it on so many podcasts, and we'll go out and we'll be speaking in Hawaii or in New York or somewhere else, and people say, I listen to Ayers on the Road, and we're like, wow, it's so great. And so we're not trying to focus this on Utah listeners. Here's the message that we're leading up to. One of the most important things you can do as a parent is to help your children and and in the same way help yourself to what we do what we call bloom where you're planted. Be excited about the place you live. Don't be a person who is always saying, well, I'm kind of stuck here. I wish I could live somewhere else. And I wish I could move back home or I wish I could live in a more exciting place or Whatever, because, you know, this is an amazing world we live in, and everyone, no matter where it is, part of the thing you want to teach your children is to bloom where they're planted, to appreciate where they are. We were talking to our granddaughter the other day who, who lives in Hawaii, where we were visiting, and who, on Maui, a beautiful place, and she's a swimming champion, and she's you know, she loves the island and so on. But she's a senior and she's going off next year to live in New York City to, to go to Columbia. And and I was thinking with her that, hey, you know, that's a pretty big change moving from an island in the Pacific to Manhattan Island in the middle of New York City. But we were talking and she and she's the kind of person I said, you will bloom where you're planted, Anna. You could live anywhere and you would find the good in it. You'd find the joy in it. You'd find the beauty in it. And that's exactly what we need to teach our children, that 
There are not bad places and good places. All places are good if you are a person who learns to appreciate where you are and to love it. What are the what are the scenic attractions of where you live? What are the things you've experienced with your children? Um, have you seen what's really around you? You know, it's the classic joke that people who live in New York City have never been to the Statue of Liberty or people who live in Utah don't appreciate Zion Park because they, they, it's right there all the time. You know, it's visitors come in and pre we need to learn to appreciate where we live. Well, I do have to say we're recording this in the winter and we've just, we are in Park City and there is so much snow here and I can promise that there are thousands of people out there in that snow this morning really appreciating Utah. Yeah. I mean, it is so fabulous. And we are so glad we were gone for six weeks when it snowed all that snow. We couldn't even get into our house this week. Literally, we had to hire a guy with a huge, giant snowblower to get, <laughs> to get into our house because we've been gone for six weeks. But there are a lot of people who do love and appreciate Utah, but we, we just can't appreciate where we live enough. We just need to notice more. We need to appreciate more. Well, I th and, and we feel like one of the concerns of parents sometimes, and that's what this show's about is parenting and family. We see parents who are sort of living in the future rather than in the moment. They're like, son or daughter, you've got to do well so you can get in a good college or We've got to do this in order that you can get this award. Or it's always about the future and never about the moment. And it's always about the place you want to be rather than the place you are. And the best parents, we think, and the best families are the ones who live in the moment. They love each other. They love where they are. They love what they can do. Of course, they have plans for the future. And of course, they have aspirations and so on and they may not want to be where they are the rest of their lives but loving where you are and loving when you are in your life such a great key don't you think linda parents i mean you know it's the classic thing of a young parent who's like oh my goodness i'll be so glad when this baby can walk i mean <laughs> uh, or at least crawl so i don't have to carry them everywhere and then the, and then the they're into all the cupboards, they're opening all the drawers, they're pulling everything out, and like, where's the baby? Oh my gosh. And wasn't it good when, when it would just wasn't sit in great? one place? We could just, we could just hold them. Anyway, uh, before we get to the end of this, though, honey, I have to just pay a compliment to people who run for office, because it really is a hard job and a really important job. We have had such wonderful leadership in Utah. Uh, we love the Levitts. We love what they went forward and did with Utah, and we're not going to go through all these. But and with this open seat, there are so many good people we, running. Our current governor is a good friend of ours. We hate to Gary see him Herbert retire. Gary Herbert is a wonder. He's created so many amazing things in Utah, and Jeanette also has done so much good for Utah with families. We've and been I, really close to to most of our senators and congressmen. And that you're right, Linda. They. There's a huge sacrifice in public service. There really is. And I don't know how you dare run for president. Oh, my goodness. But let's not get into that. But I do We're have to talk say. To, you don't know how anyone dares run for president. That's no. what you're saying, right? Yeah. Didn't I say that? You said, you don't know. You, you said, I don't know how you dare run for president. <laughs> okay. I didn't want anyone to think we no. were making an announcement. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Um, but it really is a huge service to people. And we so appreciate all those people that get involved in campaigns and really make 
a big difference. Well, win or lose, they make a big difference. And so I just had to say that before we before we leave this morning. So um, thank you for indulging us on this trip down memory lane, an interesting time in our lives where we learn to appreciate the state of Utah more. We learn to appreciate politics more. We learn to appreciate that really what it's all about is working together to make our place a beauty. The old saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes it takes a community. It takes right, people it who care. It takes people who love where they live. So um, we wish you the very best. Thanks to all of you who have ever dabbled in politics and all of you who are working so hard to make great families in Utah and all over the world. We'll see you again next time. And wherever you live, join us next time on Ayers on the Road. Thanks for being with us today. Bye-bye.